This is Audacious Compassion, episode 18. A perfectly good strategy. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes. You're a dark night, and I'm the day. Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa Avery Weir. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about having rash emotional reactions in everyday situations. So, Gregory, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm working on hobbies and getting stuff done. Um, My day job has been going decently well. Uh, lately, but this this topic makes me think of uh, a meeting I had recently where something happened that I have a tendency to do in meetings, which is I will get impatient when people aren't up to the standards to which I hold myself. Yeah. Um, so this was a, a sprint planning meeting, deciding, you know, making sure everybody understood what tasks we had to do, figuring out what we were going to do over the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the people that was that was in the meeting clearly hadn't looked through what we were going to go over before the meeting. Oh, that's... that's rough. I mean, I understand why not. Like, he's juggling, like, four different projects. There's always a reason. doesn't have any time, always in meetings. Right, like, it makes sense. But at the same time, when I'm in a meeting and someone is just, like, reading aloud the stuff that we're looking <laughs> over, like, it's it's just... It's one of those things where it's like, this isn't... This wasn't the most productive way to do this. Right. Right? It would have been better for us just to set aside that same block of time mm-hmm. and just work on our own to understand it. We would have... Right. It would go faster. Mm-hmm. Everything. And, and so when that sort of thing happens, I have a hard time not reacting erratically. Yeah. The proper thing to do might not be to just go along with it. Just let the person yes. keep reading. But... I find myself just being like, well, why isn't he yeah. prepared? I, you know, and try and kind of, I want to take charge of the meeting myself and try and move <laughs> things along or something. And this time I ended up, it's it's one point just being like, hey, it sounds like we've got a lot of things that are still up in the air. Do we want to review this and come back when we're more comfortable with the, with the info? That seems like a reasonable um, response. I think so. Yeah, but it, it it's hard to comes from a place of frustration. Yeah, it's hard to evaluate whether you made the right choice mm-hmm. when the, the choice you made is pretty in alignment with that sort of gut mm-hmm. emotional response. Yeah. It's not as bad as sometimes where I have openly scoffed on a phone call. <laughs> I've not openly scoffed. I have raised my voice. What? I have I have like when someone was being kind of accusatory. Yeah. Um and also did not understand what was going on. Oh, no. Um, I have, like, raised my voice and not yelled at them, mm-hmm. but been like, okay, seems like this is the situation, and, like, just talked over them oh until God. we, until I felt that everyone actually had heard what I wanted them to know. But that's not cool, right? That's, that's, there are ways to ensure that information without just, like, stealing the the focus. Right. So... That sounds very frustrating. Hopefully it'll get better. Mm. Um, hopefully, I mean, they're they're doing things to, to free up this dude's schedule, but... I think you are the optimist of the two of us. Possibly. 
Um, but <laughs> I'm going to keep hoping. How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, it's yearly review time for those of us who work a standard nine to five job have you met all of your goals uh i did according to my boss uh i felt i had wished a little short on one uh but he said i met the spirit of the goal um but this interesting thing happened where i was marked highly on my communication skills and something i had said to my boss a couple of months ago was actually quoted in there wow misquoted but (laughs) <laughs> he asked me to help him correct it. And it was it was about strategic communication, where I had said, mm-hmm. um, you know, I like where I work. I like the people I'm working with. So I might only mention a couple of, I, rev- I use the word microaggressions, maybe something like microaggressions uh, each day. Like, mm-hmm. I moderate my response. Because you mentioned every unacceptable thing that someone said in a typical workplace you would never stop and i would never be invited to lunch right yeah. like uh there's the, the social impact of that's pretty hard understandably so because it's who wants to be around an right ad, right so the people in the room two managers thought that that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard funny uh, like what a wry and accurate observation of the human condition or funny like they didn't think you were serious funny like that's a great way to word uh, strategic communication choices for the benefit of office morale. It was a little bit of a Chappelle moment, right? Like, they were laughing at the superficial statement as, ha ha, yeah, yes, Melissa can talk about how she talks in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I was talking about sort of, being in a place where everyone is saying something awful, right? Yeah, they were they were laughing at, I have trouble doing the right thing in this situation, and you were talking about some bad stuff is happening. Right. Um, and I think they took it as, I think they took it as um, me just navigating, me being mature, right? Yeah. Um, whereas I think had any sort of minority in the industry been in the room, they would have had a different response, right? Yeah. They would have gotten that sort of strategic moment. So anyway, this this comes around to like talking with my colleagues and I have two colleagues who use the R word mm-hmm. to talk about things. I have colleagues who talk about how like they have kids because they feel as intelligent people, they should help populate the world. Ugh. And I don't point out every example of disgusting classism or ableism or um other pretty harsh things that they say but i do point out some of those but it's very difficult for me not to be like did you really just say Mm -hmm. did you just drop a slur in the middle of conversation at work um and i don't always succeed i have a couple colleagues that have learned to enjoy poker face everywhere as i am known Mm -hmm. uh listeners that is a joke i do not have a poker face particularly you, well at all you can in yes in certain circumstances but i do have a tell even still. yes yeah if someone knows you pretty well they can tell when you are so inwardly <laughs> furious <laughs> um so that's what's been going on with me and it was just very weird to sit in my review and see a quote that we just we were ships passing in the night on the hmm. full intent of and depth of that statement uh, 
So that was kind of weird. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That's, Sounds that's, like you're... It's fine. You are maintaining conscious control over those reactions? I am. For better or for worse? For better or for worse. I mean, you know I've worked far worse places in that regard. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this place is fine. So our prompt this week uh, is a question from the Interpersonal Stack Exchange by user Yvette Colomb. Someone I recognize from the alpha period before that site publicly opened. That's pretty cool. So they write, I've always had a short fuse. I've been quick to rise and lose my temper, but on the flip side, I'm quick to get over it when others lose their cool. The problem is that others usually are not, especially if they're on the receiving end of it. Having a short temper and saying things in anger is the number one cause of relationship difficulties in my life and has caused more problems and heartache than I could possibly set out to achieve if I was consciously trying to do so. Most importantly, it can happen with family and close friends. When somehow a discussion leads to someone making an insult towards me, which I don't tolerate well, and from there it can escalate. There are definitely certain topics that will frequently lead to these types of escalations, as well as when I don't want to discuss something and the person persists. It can also happen when the other person argues with me about who I am or my motive for saying or doing something, and their opinion is negative. I have great difficulty expressing my irritation without it escalating between the other person and myself to a point I do not manage well emotionally. What can I do to help circumvent or prevent my anger, building to a point where I lose my temper and say things I regret? What skills can I use to exit the discussion gracefully and find space to calm? Well, I guess, first of all, those things that they're reacting to are bad things right like People... reacting negatively to to folks like forcing a conversation that you don't want to have or insulting you or questioning your identity or your motive like that's yeah that's, that's... something where clapping back is totally appropriate right yeah I, I don't even yeah so there's yeah there's definitely part of me that's like well sure get angry but there's a difference between the feelings and the behavior, right? Yeah, and, so, and the fact that these are, like, close people might mean that you don't want to alienate them. Right. Which, I mean, I think that if they're family or close friends who are often a negative influence on your life, maybe you do want to let them out. But sense. I totally understand anyone who's like, no, I don't want to right. lose this person. Right. It's sort of a, it's a strategic thing, right? Yeah, yep. Like, but it sounds like the difficulty here is less, I don't want to admonish people mm -hmm. it's that i feel like i'm losing my temper and losing control and i don't understand these feelings right with some emphasis on the consequences of that yeah so this person gets over it when other people lose their temper other people don't seem to be getting over it when they do right which suggests that either they've got a whole bunch of friends that are not very forgiving right or their temper is different than a lot of other folks right so regardless you know they're looking for how do they manage their own reaction to these things? Like, how do they perhaps feel their anger but not lash out? Yeah, I mean, I think that just being more aware of and accepting of your feelings makes it easier to work with them rather than have them kind of burst forth like a, like a dam breaking. Right. In the moment, it's really hard, right? Like... This is the crux of a lot of bad decisions. Right, yeah. Right? Like, I'm in the moment, I'm, I'm feeling whatever, and it doesn't have to be bad. It can be, I don't know, I'm out with 
friends having a good time and in the moment i decide i want to eat the eat ranch cheese fries right like and then tomorrow i'm gonna be very sad about the fact that i ate something awful and that's a similar sort of impulse thing but how do you short circuit that loop and then that's that's kind of the immediate thing and then how over the long term do you soothe that down so that you don't react in the moment yeah there's there's that surprisingly useful psychological concept of triggers Mm-hmm. And things that you know are going to kind of activate certain things about your mind. Right. So you can say, oh, every time that I talk to my mother about my relationships, I'm going to get heated and kind of be at a risk mm-hmm. for, for lashing out. Yep. And you can, you don't have to like eliminate those things from your life, but you right. can be like, oh, hey, I recognize that, you know, I've got this list of things and this mm-hmm. is one of the things on that list so I can be extra careful and vigilant. Right. So... One of the things here that's that's sort of sticking in my mind is this idea that they might not seem able to, to escape from those conversations. There's sort of the final question there is, what skills can I use to exit the discussion gracefully to find space to calm? Right. Like, And they say, uh, when I don't want to discuss something and the person persists. Yeah. Which we've been there. Sure, yeah. totally. I think that hopefully f- most people understand that they can just end a conversation. Unless you're in a particularly rough situation, you can walk out of the room. Yeah. And that's probably going to be perceived as rude, but not as rude as yelling at someone. Yes, yes. Usually that's kind of part of a longer term problem, right? Like if someone yeah. is kind of chasing you down to to force conversations you don't want to have, then you've got some meta discussions to have, yeah. I think, um, about your dynamics. And like this person is recognizing their own temper and they may be interacting with other people who are not recognizing their own ways. Right. So, so some of the ways that this happens is I like to have discussions right now up front, get it all out, be done with it. Someone else wants time to think about their response Mm -hmm. between the initial idea being presented and the, and having a resolution to it. And if those two people are in conflict then what you're going to get is the person who wants to think about things can very easily just feel badgered mm-hmm. by the person who wants to be done with this when it's when the conversation stops. And so even each one of them recognizing the difference is not necessarily enough to to resolve the whole situation because it's communication. But in this case, it seems like when conversations like this start, there are some very physical things you might be able to do to try and stay calm. So start breathing more slowly. Mm-hmm. Like do things that lower your heart rate, that help blood flow better, you know. Um, and it, I think it's tempting to, to say, I'm having this emotional reaction that's causing this physical reaction, so I'm going to try and suppress that. Right. Like I'm breathing hard, so I'm going to, I don't know, hold my breath or something. Mm-hmm. Or, or my hands are shaking, so I'm going to hold them still. Right. And instead something that is useful for me is instead look at like what your body wants Mm -hmm. by doing that like if you're breathing faster your body is saying give me more oxygen to deal with this Mm -hmm. and so you could instead start taking deeper breaths slower breaths slower deeper breaths to get oxygen and then you're going to satisfy that urge Mm -hmm. your body has it might be it might be like a maladaptive urge right you probably don't actually need extra oxygen having this conversation because you're not going to actually run away right um or fight right um 
And likewise, you know, your hands shaking, a tremor or something like that is, is, can be any number of things, a displacement activity, anything. But that sort of desire to move and to get kinetic, mm-hmm. like to process things by, by moving, mm-hmm. that can be satisfied in a way that doesn't make you look like you're shaking like a leaf. Right. I find that if I'm going into a difficult meeting, I will take my um, fidget cube with me. Yeah, just any anything you use to, to yep. occupy your hands. Right, probably not a pen or something. Those break and... Yeah, nothing noisy. Right. Nothing that's going to explode over the table. Right. Um, depending on your environment, like getting up and pacing mm-hmm. can be okay. That can also be seen as threatening. But right? it can also be kind of a heads up signal, right? That's, right. A, that's a clear thing. That if someone's up and moving, you're going to be like, oh, this is getting to them. Right. And it's more obvious than someone who like is being very still mm-hmm. and calm right. and collected because mm-hmm. they're trying to suppress this reaction. Right. Um, now, that is how tempers flare sometimes, is a very calm, cutting reaction. Yeah. Yep. Um as opposed to sort of the explosion that one imagines. Um, so thinking, so think about the movement aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Asking to move the conversation to a different venue. So one of the things that we've done at a, at a couple places I worked, just by virtue mm-hmm. of where the offices were, was if we were going to have a discussion that was a little rough, we might go walk around the pond. Yeah. Figuratively, like wherever, whatever structure is out there. But getting outside... Let's everyone move, get some sunshine, some fresh air. You're not facing each other, which can yeah. be a very confrontational kind of thing. Um, whatever the environment is, right? Like maybe it's maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, I don't know, Some let's do this over the phone instead of in person or something that, that changes the physicality of the conversation. And, and, and saying things like, I want to get some fresh air. Do you want to talk about this as we walk? Or mm-hmm. it's too noisy in here. Can we head out and go x place right. or you know i i need to i'm feeling a little stifled like mm-hmm. you can give not even a little white lie but just a a not complete explanation of the situation if you don't want to say i'm feeling yeah heightened, heightened right. tension you can just say hey can we do this right. um and that can help diffuse it and that's kind of those sort of Practiced phrases are a thing that I've found useful with regard to dealing with emotional situations and social situations. Mm-hmm. Like, I sometimes will practice saying a thing. Yes. So that in the moment, it's a tool I have that I don't have to figure out while I'm angry and mm-hmm. stressed and trying not to explode at someone. I don't have to come up with a thing to say. Yep. And just be like, oh, I know that I lose my temper. Mm-hmm. I understand those feelings, mm-hmm. and when that happens, I can say this. Right. And sometimes I've done that at times even for direct phrases. So if I would normally say, I can't believe we're having this conversation, and that's like mm. a verbal tick that's part of me getting angry, Yeah, I would practice a direct swap. Like, I don't believe we're hearing each other correctly. Or yeah. something, I don't know, whatever. Something that, that would I could practice saying in the moment and just replace that. Because I can't believe we're having this conversation. It's a direct escalation, right? right. <laughs> it's, it's like you're coming up with a translation for mm-hmm. your own angry language into, <laughs> like, calm person language. 
Um, so that, I think that's really helpful. Um, I mean, I used to, when I was younger, I mean, I used to take notes before I made phone calls because yeah. I would get so anxious. I, I still do that. Yeah. Like it's totally like cool. Um, and it gets easier, right? Like, yeah. But anytime I like, I don't know, call a congressperson, I take notes because I mm-hmm. get really nervous. Um, and this kind of falls into that same bucket, I think, so that you don't freeze up. Um, sometimes I can't just think of what to say when my temper is flaring. I just get so angry that I go silent, um, which is also not conducive to a good conversation. There's this this concept with regard to self empathy that I think I picked up at a polyamory conference. Um, that is the idea of kind of being a good friend to your future self. Yes, I remember that. That was, yes, that was a poly conference. So doing things like saying, these are the, like, when you're calm and not in a conversation, mm-hmm. think, what are the things that I, that usually happen before I lose my temper? Mm-hmm. Like, so if someone brings up this topic, usually I'll lose my temper. If someone does this, does this, does this. And you can keep those as like a list of red flags. Right. To be like, oh, hey, I need to have heightened awareness. Mm-hmm. Or the same, kind of similar to the trigger idea. Or even just write the plans for yourself yes. when calm. And it's it's not that, it's not that you should be hypervigilant and prepare and protect everyone around you from your temper. Mm-hmm. It's that... What would you want a friend to to do or say to you in that moment mm-hmm. that would help? And write that down. Right. Or, or remember what, think back to when you were calm and thinking mm-hmm. about this and hear that. Hear your past self telling your present self exactly. that thing. Yeah, and let, let's talk about that protection idea, uh, especially given the dynamic here. Yeah, uh, this is a weird... This is a weird question. This is... I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about maybe these aren't the coolest people to be hanging around. Um, But I think, I hope that this is coming from a place of, like, behaving with this temper is not in line with my values. Yes. Rather than, I want to protect the jerks around me that are... (laughs) Yeah. That are treating me badly. Like, (laughs) because they hold grudges and I don't. Yeah. Which is a bad reason to, to... be nice to someone. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that people lose their temper and understanding that people lose their temper and f- accepting that mm-hmm. and not kind of letting it go, get bigger than that at the become immediate a event, become a grudge or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, like that's a good thing. That's a virtuous thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that the fact that assuming that you are not getting violent. Mm hmm. Uh, descending into like cutting personal insults as long as you're not hurting the other person Mm -hmm. beyond that kind of shock and and emotional turmoil of being in a situation where someone's yelling at you or whatever right i think that them not forgiving you is not your fault yeah and that's not a burden upon you right it's it is on them to manage their own grudges and what they want to handle with grace and yeah. or forgiveness, right? And or not, whatever. That's on them. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, this is this desire to to kind of manage temper mm-hmm. is because either a losing your temper doesn't match your values, or right. b the you 
can predict the consequences of it, mm-hmm. and you don't want those consequences, and it's worth the effort. Right. Like, it's totally fine to say, I know that they will hold a grudge against me, and I don't want that to happen. Because so I I'll... live with them. Right. Or because, yeah, like, there's some... So I'll do this. Yep. Um, but yeah, this, that's, uh, there's something that just, that just stuck with me as, mm-hmm. as a potential red flag for this question. But we haven't... So we've talked a little bit about exiting gracefully. Mm-hmm. Well, exiting abruptly, which yeah. is walking out of the conversation. It can be hard to end a conversation without physically leaving if someone is persisting. Yeah, Marshall Rosenberg, who's the writer of uh, nonviolent communication books, mm-hmm. um, tells a story about he was at a party sometime. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and he realized that he'd just kind of been talking about nothing with someone and they both seemed impatient and wanted to leave so he finally said this conversation isn't meeting my needs yeah and the other person was like oh thank goodness i didn't want to keep talking to you about this it's like okay bye right um that's not always gonna work no no. like you not everyone is that bold or Mm -hmm. in a situation where that's a thing that isn't just gonna set the other person off right yeah and talking about needs is a gets weird uh people think that means something else yeah. <laughs> think you need to go to the bathroom or something right i um, think that but i think that saying if you're willing saying i'm feeling my temper rising mm-hmm. can we or not can we let's yeah put this on pause yep let's talk about this later mm-hmm. or, or you know i don't want to blow up right let's talk about this later and if they say no at that point, then you're kind of into a bigger issue. Right. Which might be that you're always avoiding conversations. Right. Like, it's not necessarily that they're being... That it's not necessarily just that they're violating your consent by wanting to continue this conversation you said no to. Mm-hmm. It could also be that they really want this thing hashed out and right. they've been waiting too long. Right. You've been ducking and dodging. Yeah. Or... Blowing up and also ending the conversation by virtue of there not being forward right. movement. Yeah. And that's when that kind of recontextualization or taking a walk or something like that, where if you, in that situation, you can offer a way that you are willing to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. A, a time and place. Yep. Let's talk tomorrow morning over breakfast. You can ruin my day with more of this conversation after we get some sleep. Probably not quite as <laughs> passive aggressive as that, but yes. Well... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's passive. (laughs) (laughs) True enough. So we've talked about in the moment measures to calm temper. Yeah, recognize what's setting you off Mm -hmm. as it's setting you off. We've talked about ways to mitigate that in the moment. Taking a walk, changing what you're doing with your body. Uh, We've talked about exiting conversations. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked much about what to do between those conversations. Well, there is the sort of recognize... Make plans. Yes. Practice methods to, to, to deal with this. Yes. And you know, be your be your own best friend. But yeah, there's sort of a making amends element to losing your temper also. Right. There's that weird distance closeness thing that people do when they've had conflict above a certain level of stress. Every time that I have felt like I became too emotional or lost my temper in the workplace mm-hmm. i have gone to the person and i have gone to the person and said 
I feel like I lost my temper. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Every time I have gotten the response of, oh, I thought you were fine. I didn't notice anything. Yeah. Even when I'm pretty sure they noticed something. Oh, yeah. So apologizing for that is kind of hard, especially in polite environments. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got a weird perception thing around that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the what is the picture these people are building of me? Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. But I think it can be worthwhile to apologize. If you I think, think so. that you sh- lost your temper when you didn't want to, mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm sorry I lost my temper is... It's not admitting weakness. It's not conceding the thing you were talking about. Yep. It's just saying, hey, that wasn't... I didn't mean to do that. Right. And that that's another one of those things. I think we've talked about apologies before, where one, uh, it is... I think it's best if you apologize because something is not in line with your values mm-hmm. instead of apologizing because the other person wants an apology. Right. Um, now, maybe there are, I mean, there are strategic choices to make, right? Like, mm-hmm. my whole opening about, like, workplace stuff and how much you mention things like part of that can be a strategic apology or two um but in general that also pertains to your ethos right like (laughs) and the other big thing about apologies is i think you should only apologize when you don't intend to do that thing again yes there needs to be intent to change um and yeah if you say i'm sorry for yelling at you Let's have another meeting where I can yell yeah, at you. <laughs> that's that's not like that's that apology didn't really mean anything. Right. That meant I wish that yelling at you wasn't a problem. But I think that the the most important thing there is just accepting and understanding the feelings that you have, recognizing that they are good. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're getting angry because someone is insulting you. Yep. That's fine. It's just you're not reacting how you want to. Exactly. Yep. React how you want to instead. Yeah. Agreed. It sounds simple when you put it like that. It does, but it's definitely it's not. It's real, real hard. It is. So what have you been inspired by lately? <sighs> well, I have fallen into the Sunless Sea. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Sunless Sea is a video game by Fail Better Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a British group. It's kind of a companion game to Fallen London, which used to be right. called Echo Bazaar. Yes. And Fallen London is... You always describe it better than I do. It's... London... In, in late 1800s, the London was stolen by bats and yes. brought underground to a place where there, there's no sun, there's weird like devils trying to take your soul, there are rubbery men who are like squid people, there mm-hmm. are, there's the weird like buying love stories, it's, it's very yeah. gothic, it feels steampunk, even though I don't think it's actually steampunk. Yeah, there's not much... There's not tech. tech. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's There but, are some machines that get... There are some, yes, a little bit. But but the primary thing is just kind of this weird gothic right. underground Victorian city. Yeah. And one which recognizes all the complicated social and justice issues mm-hmm. of that time. Yep. Uh, so that's a cool game. It's uh, Fallen London is browser-based, text-heavy, perhaps a text adventure? I don't know. Uh, hypertext. Genres are weird. Yeah, there's no, you don't move a character with a cursor, I guess, perhaps is is a good way to put it. Sunless Sea, however, is a downloaded game. You, know, you buy it on You actually Steam. install it. You act- yes, you actually It's not free it. to play. Right. And you are a ship captain based out of London, the exact same London. This underground London. Yeah, there's no sun. Uh, there was a reference to the ceiling. Yes. And that, that threw me for a loop. enormous cavern. Yeah. And it's this game where you have limited resources. Fuel and food are expensive. You might end up 
eating your crew if you run out of food. You're just um, kind of traveling from port to port. Yeah. And f- exploring a, weird islands. Yeah, you don't have a map to start. Trying so not to go insane. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of hopping around. And and what I find interesting, so I started a game, played a little bit, ate a couple of my crew, said, oh boy, uh, I think I need a different strategy here, and made a new character. I think um, cannibalism is a perfectly valid strategy in it, a video game. It is, but I had a, I had a feeling for where that was going to go, uh, and it wasn't anywhere good. And so on this new character, like there's... I'm a person that if I'm given a map with a fog of war, which means it's dark until you move through a square, so to speak, and then it shows, it reveals what's there. If I'm playing a game like that, I want to map it. You want want to to. fill in every square of black? I start exactly, I start, you know, northwest corner, go direct south all the way down, and then go. Like you're plowing a field? Like I'm plowing a field. And that's working so far, but like there's this control of impulses. I can't just do that. I have to complete quests or I'm going to run out of money in which to buy supplies. Mm-hmm. I have to manage my crew and I have to, you know, find officers and like do all this sort of small scale stuff to allow me to do that big scale stuff. And how do I fight? Do I fight all the time? Do I try to run away? Do I risk my engines exploding by by that? And so my natural impulses the t- my tendencies in a game are to be a little scattered not necessarily have a strategy i stick to all the time and fight back impulsively like a big squid comes after me i might scream and then shoot it and mm-hmm. then get killed and that's not good whereas if you just run if for had, like minutes to the nearest port i might have to eat a crew member but <laughs> or or do damage to my engines or something, but that would be the better emotional response. And yet, and yet, if I don't take risks, I also will not yeah, achieve you'll just anything. Advance too slowly to make right. it worth it. Right. So it's it's this interesting restraint of my own feelings and my own impulses, and uh, how do I explore this space uh, in a way that is uh, strategic but also fun? Yeah. So, yeah. I think games that make you make hard decisions are an interesting way to like understand your own reactions in a different yeah. context yeah yep. be like oh yeah that is totally a, th- a personality trait i have that mm-hmm. i might not have really realized yeah so i've i've lost a couple captains uh i haven't eaten any crew in this latest <laughs> run uh but that's Stay because clean. I'm, I'm also that that has a trade-off too straight so. edge yes <laughs> so what have you been inspired by well, recently I've been thinking a lot about uh, a short film called The Discipline of D.E. Like it's differential equations? Uh, do Easy. Okay. Um, it's So it's it, the film was put together by Gus Van Sant, who's a famous filmmaker, um, and it was like his graduate work or something like huh, that. Okay. And it's based on a section of a short story by William S. Burroughs, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very strange little film. It's on one level is the story of this retiree who mm-hmm. like kind of runs out of things to do and invents this sort of way of living that's called Do Easy. And it, it sort of starts <laughs> discussing this person and then moves into explaining what, what DE is. Yeah. And then ends very abruptly in a very weird way. And it's it's such an evocative piece that it really sticks in your head. Is it pitched as like a self-help? type of no it's very it seems very narrative okay like it's just this narrator going 
person did this he he tried this for a while he created his he like invented his own calendar and then when that didn't work he did this and he 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 chose to take his time into present time and do (laughs) do easy which is doing everything in the most efficient way which is also the easiest and most pleasing so it's Hmm. about it's kind of a, a concept of mindfulness yeah and like if you drop something Mm-hmm. pick it up, put it back where it was, and try doing the same action again, doing it the right way. If you're going to move something, think about how you want to move it before you do so, so you're not trailing a, an electrical cord or something behind you. <laughs> and it's it's presented very matter-of-factly and very compellingly. Yeah. So as you're watching it, you're like, this seems, yeah, I, I want to live my life this way. Yeah. But then there's this undercurrent of weird irony there where where at one point it says a master of de can be just as happy spending hours doing nothing as long as he's doing it right and he's it's just a picture of this person sitting staring into space very calmly meditating maybe i I mean that can be fine sure maybe not uh because the the one of the is that is that your value for productivity speaking there that that maybe it's not well okay. there's there's just there's this this it makes you ask that question mm-hmm. and the the film ends with this discussion of this shootout between like <laughs> between a, a a gunslinger and this young kid who got advice from from Wyatt Earp maybe what the hell um, <laughs> and it's the sort of thing where you expect it to be this anecdotal digression mm-hmm that then returns back to some sort of conclusion about DE. Yeah. But instead it just ends at the end of that scene. And it ends with the line, how quickly can you take your time? What in the world? It's really great. I You can you can f- find it on YouTube or whatever, probably yeah. illegally, but it's a very, it's 1970s piece. Okay. It's very cool. Is it it's, like 20 minutes or it's like It's like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. It's totally worth worth watching just to... At the very least, you go. What the hell was that? Yeah, and I guess we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've had it spinning around my head. I've shown <laughs> it to to a person or two, and it just still don't know what to think of it. But that idea of sort of thinking through everything, mm-hmm. and if you have a reaction you don't like, just kind of go back and rehearse it. Yeah, is weird and yeah. cool, and. I maybe has also been in my mind lately because I've been like accidentally injuring myself a lot, <laughs> like <laughs> scraping my heel open on my bed or dripping hot glue on my hand. Yeah. Um, so maybe I could use a little bit of de. <laughs> that that sort of mindfulness and consideration has been kind of a common thread running through yeah. our discussion of these kind of impulsive reactions. Right. Which are some of the most difficult reactions to tamp down. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's a... To not tamp down, but to manage. Yeah, like, if it's a thing that's not emotionally motivated, mm-hmm. it's more of a, how do I do this? What is the right way to do this? Mm-hmm. But not being able to think in the moment or finding it hard to think through a thing makes it trickier. Right. Yep. It's just about, I guess, what? Understanding your reaction Understanding a reaction, sort of solidifying what your, sort of understanding what your current standards are for behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you want to behave? What's in line with that? And figuring that out when you're calm, like making yep. plans. Yep. And practice, practice, practice. 
And remember, practice makes permanent. <laughs> so <laughs> this is true. Make sure you're practicing what you actually want to practice. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, thank you for talking with me today. Thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweird.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast, and we'd greatly appreciate likes and follows. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Your sharing is the best way for us to expand our audience. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found at Melissa Avery Weir at Mastodon.social. And I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. And together, we run a video game studio called Future Proof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Music